Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Rafael Vigiel, and I would like to welcome everyone to my Hatshot Photography podcast. Today, I'm super excited because my guest is one of the leading hatchet photographers in our industry. He's also a writer for um, F-Stoppers. You also have very successful YouTube channel, which focus on hatchet photography, business, portraits, and all sorts of really cool stuff. I'm a big fan of, of your work, big fan of everything what you do and all the knowledge you're sharing, because this is something that not many photographers, you know, they're willing to do. And seems like you kind of push this completely different direction and then you just really um, share your experiences, your knowledge. So thank you for that. And I'm sure a lot of people are really appreciated everything what you do for our industry. So welcome to the podcast. As I said, I can't wait to dive into our conversation. So welcome. Thanks, Rafa. I'm really excited to be here. I appreciate that. That's a very generous introduction you gave me. <laughs> and um, I do appreciate it very much. I'm excited to talk with you. And uh, yeah, let's uh, anything photography, you know, I'm, I'm always thrilled to talk. Absolutely. So let's start with some kind of basic stuff. Um, could you tell me a little bit more about how did you get into hatchet photography? Um, what was your path? How, why did you choose hatchet photography? Because there's so many different genres of photography. And it seems like people go through some kind of, they have own path, right? And uh, like, I don't know what's your path and I want to kind of get into it. Um, so how does whole thing look like on your end? Sure, sure. So I had um, well, I, a very interesting path that brought me to headshot photography. And I think um, I know a lot of photographers that, that I know have had kind of winding paths and what's definitely not a direct line for me. Um, but when I was uh, probably about 16 years old, I, um, I was home one day and my dad came home from work and he said, and I was looking for a job. And my dad said to me, oh, you know, the local camera store is looking for somebody you should go and apply. And so I said, okay, that sounds cool. I was always growing up, I was into art, drawing and painting and stuff like that. And then I got into music. So I got a job at this camera store. I knew nothing about photography. And this was back in the, the old days where there was no internet. So, so the, uh, my boss said to me, well, you need to learn about photography. And I said, okay, cool. I'll, he, and he gave me a Minolta SRT 101. And he said, you can use this. And then I went to the library and I took out, like I remember coming home with a stack of books like that about photography. And, and that's kind of how I got started. Um, so, but then when I went to college, I kind of had like passion for photography and also for music. And I wound up studying music in college. So I did not study photography as my main focus, although I did a bunch of like elective courses. And I worked in the photo industry for the entirety of my college career um, as a camera salesman. And I did a lot of freelance work and I did work for the school newspaper. So photography was always there while I was studying music. Fast forward, and I'm giving you, this is the abridged version. I won't go too long with this story, yes. but oh, okay. so um, after I graduated uh, with my master's degree in music, I opened a music school uh, where mm -hmm. I live on Long Island, and I started that business in 2006. And many years later, um, around 2016, 
we started a musical theater program at the school. And this is what really brought me to headshots. Mm -hmm. So we told all the students, bring, bring a headshot so that we can, you know, use it in our program and stuff. And, and the kids would bring in like these like terrible iPhone photos or school photos that were like really had the worst expressions. And so I looked at these photos. I thought to myself, you know, I love photography. I've been doing it all the time. I could do this. I could do better than that at least. And so that's, that was my initiation to headshot photography is I just started taking pictures for our program. And shortly thereafter, I decided, well, I kind of like this. I want to get better at it. So I remember going to YouTube one day and I just typed in like how to take headshots and this guy pops up and I watched this video and I was like, this guy is hilarious. He's, he's a little nuts. <laughs> that's what I thought at first, but he's, but this video is awesome. And that was Peter Hurley. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I discovered Peter Hurley um, and his work. And then pretty much immediately I joined his um, organization, which is called the Headshot Group. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I really learned everything I know about headshot photography. Um, so he's my mentor. And, mm -hmm. uh, and at this point, he's become a good friend. And um, I'm also now uh, an associate in the headshot crew, which means that I reach, you know, if you reach a certain level of proficiency, um, you become an associate member, which means Peter will actually recommend you for photography gigs and you also train other photographers. So I routine, routinely go and uh, hang out at his studio when he does his headshot intensives and help other photographers. And, and that's kind of how I got here. Um, mm -hmm. During the pandemic, I, I had done the headshots was kind of just on the side, but during the pandemic, we had to physically close our school uh, in New York here, the, the music school. And so I had an empty space and we were doing everything virtually. And that was kind of when I decided, okay, let me take this sort of uh, side hobby slash business that I wasn't really focused on. And now I'm going to turn it into a business. And, and that's when I really started working on it. And that's when I really started um, bringing people into my studio to refine my skills and hone my skills and, and, and bring it to the next level. So that was around 2020s when I, when I really started the business. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So how's your um, style developed? And did you start it straight from, you know, Peter's Harley kind of, cause I've seen it. It's like, I'm, I'm a big fan of him too. He's also a big mentor for, for me. I've learned so much from him and I think he's the kind of the first person who really put the headshots on the map. Right. And I think he established this, this, this amazing community um, so do you think your style kind of like develop over the time? Like what was the process? Because I know like any other genres of photography, you're just starting somewhere and then most of the time we suck, right? What do we do? And then over the time we kind of step by step trying to figure things out. So what right. was the biggest challenge for you as a headshot photographer, which, you know, took you a little bit more time to kind of overcome and kind of master it? Right, right. So that's a great question. Um, I think that, um, well, when I started, the good thing for me, which I, in hindsight, I feel like this was a, a huge advantage, is I didn't know anything. Like, mm -hmm. so when I started studying with Peter, like I, I knew, I knew basics about photography. I knew an aperture from a shutter speed, and I, I had a lot of that kind of knowledge, right? But when it came to actually putting a human in front of my camera and creating an image of them where they looked 
like they wanted to be there and where it was lit properly and where I understood lighting and all this, I start from ground zero. Mm -hmm. And I think this, this turned out to be a huge advantage because I was like a blank slate. Mm -hmm. Um, so I remember early on, some of the, the, the biggest challenge for me, I think early on was just getting over the fear of having a person in front of my camera. Mm -hmm. Because when I, when I first started, um, I had never really taken any portraits of anybody. I was always afraid. I always had this sort of, and I think anyone who's, uh, who's become a headshot or a portrait photographer early on, I think we all have that fear because you have this person in front of your camera and now it's all up to you to, to, to create an image of them and make them actually like it. And so that was yeah. the biggest challenge was just kind of getting people in front of my camera and being, being comfortable with it. Um, and so I started there with like friends and family, like most of us do. Uh, and then this, the biggest hurdle after that was in the same kind of way was the, the first like sort of paying client who came to me that I wasn't, didn't have a, a relationship with. I didn't know them at all. So that was a huge challenge. Um, outside of that, when I started studying with Peter, uh, I think I went through what most newer photographers go through is that, um, and I relate this to my, to my world as a musician too, um, because there's so many similarities. But when you first start, you can't see anything. And I think that, and what I mean by that is you don't understand light. Um, when you first start, especially studio light, which is very, very specific and face mm -hmm. lighting, which, which there's so many, so many different ways to light the face. There's so many different um, ways to where the light and the shadow plays. And at first you just don't see it. So it takes quite a bit of time and quite a bit of practice before you start to get to that point where you're like, okay, now I can look at a photo and I say, yeah, I know exactly how this was lit and I know what looks good, what doesn't look good not just in a general sense, but also for the specific face in front of your camera, because you might, if you get into that one lighting style that might look great for a certain face, but maybe it needs to be tweaked or just completely different for a different face. Um, and I relate that to music because I'm a bass player. And when I first, when I was about, I guess I started playing the electric bass when I was about 13 or 14. And I remember uh, one of my friends or it was my brother's friend who was a bass player said to me oh yeah you you just have to you're not going to hear the bass at first but if you listen and you pay attention when you're listening to music eventually you'll hear it and that was kind of my experience with music too so i remember listening to the radio and i'm like and then all of a sudden it was like oh it like popped in I my ear like, oh, i hear the bass now and i, I really kind of had the the same experience when it comes to um, seeing light on the face. And it's not like you, it's one and done, right? You know as well as I like it's Yes, possible. absolutely. It never but just can I tell you a little bit of a side story? Um, yeah. I shot weddings for 10 years and I thought like, well, I know maybe not everything, but lots about photography, shooting like 40 weddings a year. And then I switched into hatchet photography and I was completely clueless, just so you right. know. So it's like, I think every, everyone starts from like scratch. doesn't matter how much experience you have. It's the same like people who, let's say, shooting hatchet would have to go and shoot landscape. They also would have to do a bunch of steps back in order to kind of learn the basics and understand a lot of things and, and get that experience. And also what I think what you have said, which is so important that we don't see a lot of things, even though like, let's say we've been doing photography, but 
like at the beginning, I remember the same thing. I was just like, oh, well, like I'm going to just, you know, take a bunch of lights, lit the person and then everything should work, but it doesn't. Right. And you don't see that. Right. And you look at the image like, okay, it doesn't look like the, you know, the top photographers work. It's not even close. And you just like, I've done everything what they have said because we just don't see it. We need to get that experience. So hundred yeah. percent on that. So tell yeah. me, in your opinion, what is good headshots? What's the recipe and what's the ingredients of a good headshot based on your experience? Well, um, so I, I'm it right in line with my mentor, obviously, on this. And I think that the most important thing that makes or breaks a headshot is the expression. Mm -hmm. And um, you can kind of get away with the lighting not being perfect. Yeah. You can kind of get away with the background not being the best or even the crop being a little, you know, mm -hmm. not really where you want it. If the expression is really engaging. And, and this is something that I always make um, number one, my priority, because mm -hmm. think about it this way. You could have the best lit photo where the, the person's hair, makeup, if it's, you know, if they're wearing makeup, their clothing, everything can be perfect. But if their expression sucks, <laughs> no one's going to be drawn into the photo, right? Absolutely. And, uh, so I think that's number one. And then what does expression mean? Well, I know like um, we definitely have in, 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 in headshots, there's different kinds of expressions that I know that I try and coach out of my clients. But mm -hmm. I don't think it's like a one, one size fits all on expression either. I think it's kind of depends on the person's face and, and also the, the purpose of the headshot and all of that, which we can talk about too. But uh, it's definitely, it's got to be a photo that draws people in. That's that's number one. Because a headshot is basically um, like a visual business card for mm -hmm. somebody, right? Whether you're an actor, whether you're a corporate uh, person, you're a lawyer, a doctor, whether you're an executive in, in, in a Fortune 500 company, the purpose of that photo is that people should see it and immediately uh, be drawn into it and to look at you, look at the person in the headshot and, and understand that, okay, this is a person who is, um, you know, is making a statement with the photo. So that's, that's kind of, that's where I begin. That's, and that's where most of my coaching is too. It's mostly on expression with, with my clients. Well, I a hundred percent agree with you. And I think we can get out of like, as you said, with lighting and bad backgrounds and then all this stuff, but the, if the face expression is not right, it's it's pretty much waste and then so how you actually how your process look like to getting people into the the the, the right zone that's how i actually approach this because right. you know there's different type of clients right there's some of them come in and then you know five minutes later you're done because they yeah. know how to or they have this natural personality i think sometimes where they can really easy they're, they're outgoing and they can you know kind of give you what you're looking for but there are some clients, which we all know, this is sometimes where it's really struggle. Yep. And there is, and also I think headshot photography is really personal, right? So you're not like working like weddings where you just jump in into like big crowd of people and just taking photos of them. They have to, you have to connect with them. You need to somehow get them to the right place where they're going to producing those uh, right face expressions. So let me ask you this, how you deal with those difficult clients? Do you have any tips or any kind of ways of, of dealing with, with those clients? What's, what's how you approach those, those difficult people who, you know, they kind of, I would say they're hard to get into. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, well, I have, 
So I have a lot of thoughts on that. Uh, <laughs> as I know, you, as I know, we all do, like you said, when, yes. when you, uh, when you photographed a lot of people, you start to really understand that. Um, and it's one thing that I'll, that I'll say about on this topic, which is important is it has nothing to do with, um, how good looking, whatever you want to call it, a person is, or, or kind of, or it's really some people, even if you work with models and actors, sometimes they're the most difficult to kind of get a great expression out of. They might be really like young and, and, and good looking or, or beautiful or, or so that part you don't have to think about as much, but they might have no idea. A lot of times they don't actually how to, you know, express and, you know, something besides that sort of like vacant stare that they all do. So, um, so I think that when it comes to diff difficult clients, I think that a lot of times it's not even the corporate clients. And the reason I brought that up is because like, well, look, sometimes you look at it like, well, a corporate client who, who goes in front of a camera once every 10 years will probably be more of a challenge than an actor who's photographed you know, every day. And sometimes that's not the case. So I find that very interesting. Um, but when it comes to how to deal with those more difficult clients, and if you run a business of any kind, um, but, it's, you know, for us specifically as headshot photographers, if you run a headshot business, uh, it doesn't matter how good you are, doesn't matter how great your work is, you will deal with difficult clients. So I think the first thing is to, as for us as photographers, is to remember that this is something you're going to deal with, you know, so, sooner or later, um, on some level or another. And um, it's it's tough for us because we're we're artists as well as business owners. So you have to put aside that kind of like indignation of of like feeling like or or the sadness that sometimes comes from being, feeling like, oh, it's my art. This is my art though. And they don't like my art. So you gotta, you gotta kind of put that aside first. But I think that my goal when it comes to dealing with difficult clients is to do my best to avoid a difficult, a difficult client to begin with. Mm -hmm. And so I think that what, what we should do as photographers is the first thing is you must have your process worked out. Um, because think about it. A lot of times, if you have a client who's not happy, um, it could just be because your lighting isn't very good, right? So if you have a client who comes in and, and you don't know how to light them properly and they have weird shadows on their face and they say they don't like the photo, well, that's that's not a difficult client. That is a, that's your lack of skills. So my when I when I coach people or when I do um, like um, I'll do like online coaching or in-person coaching with other photographers. My, what I tell them is that right away. Like, well, well, you know, you can, you can do a number of things to avoid those difficult clients, um, which is first have your skills honed. Like what's one of the most basic things that is, a, is always a mistake you see in headshot photography is mm -hmm. a person who looks out to lunch, right. Or their smile is fake and it looks like a sixth grade yearbook photo. And, um, you know, so that is on us as the photographers, that's not on the client, um, necessarily. Right. Cause there, or at very least you could say there's some, there's shared, <laughs> like shared yeah. responsibility, but in my book, it's really on me. If I can't get a person to smile in front of my camera, I'm doing something wrong. Um, so process, knowing your lighting, um, being consistent is another thing that I talk about a lot with people is there's. There's, when I first started with headshot photography, every shoot was like 
let me start from scratch and, and, and just figure it out all from the, again. And I want to do something completely different. Like I didn't even know what my shutter speed and aperture was like from one shoot to the next and the lights would be all over the place. So um, another thing that really made a big difference for me personally is I just, once I, once I set up my space, I just left the lights. I left my camera, everything at the same setting. And then I tweaked it for the particular face. So I think being consistent in your process, being consistent, even in how you, interact with clients will help. Um, so I haven't answered your question yet. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> How do you deal with difficult clients? But I feel like this, the, the all of this stuff that we can do as photographers will um, avoid as many difficult clients as possible, right? So that's your main goal. But now when it comes to a more difficult client, um, I think that you have to be, first thing is you have to be patient. Um, and you also have to be empathetic because, uh, you know, I've, it's, it's easy to get, um, impatient with people, especially if you're spending a lot of time with them. Um, but like if I have a difficult client who, who's just, and, and I shoot tethered to a large screen. So as we go, I'm showing them the photos. And so if they're difficult, it's 99% of the time it's, it's because they don't like something about their face. Mm -hmm. Um, and you don't see it because you, you know, we don't look at our own face any way that other people see it, right? Your own view of your own face and your own body is very much based upon how you were treated growing up or a comment that some kid made to you on the playground when you were 10. I mean, these kind of things really can, can affect a person forever. So I think that the first thing you need to do and what I do is I try to be empathetic and remember, okay, even if I think this person looks great and even if they do look great, um, they don't feel that they do. So it's my responsibility to, um, you know, meet them where they're at and, and be empathetic about it. And I think mm -hmm. that you're, you're, again, your process and how you do it is, is going to, to, to really help you to win over those difficult clients. Um, I had a very difficult client. Um, it was about, about a month ago, a couple of weeks ago. And I knew before this person came in for the shoot that they were going to be difficult because they told me they, I had like an email exchange and, and a phone call and a text exchange. And they were asking a lot of questions and I'm like, okay, this person clearly is very much invested. They, they're going to be on top of the details. But then they just said to me, look, I'm very difficult. I'm going to tell you right now. And so I said, don't, don't worry about it. Um, my process is collaborative and you're going to be involved in it and you're not going to leave until you're happy. So that's exactly what we did. Now you're so, you're totally right. Um, that like, sometimes you get someone who comes in and really the, within the first 10 frames that you snap, you're done. And they got an awesome headshot and they look amazing. Um, and I think that the better you get at being a photographer at, at being a headshot photographer, the more common this becomes. And I think mm -hmm. that it kind of makes it harder in a way when you get that one difficult client who's being extra picky. So that's what I do um, to, to make them happy. I, I'm patient. Uh, I'm compassionate. I try and empathize with them. And then we, I just take the time that's needed. Like I, I think a lot of photographers bill by the hour. Um, I don't bill by the hour. So in my studio, I, I just kind of keep it open-ended. So mm -hmm. if I have a client that I need to go over a little bit for, and we need to just tweak things, then we do that. Um, and a lot of that also has to do with, with like their, their hair 
how the hair is styled. Maybe sometimes they just, and, and people, and you have to be honest with people too. Like a lot of times photographers want to, want to avoid like the elephant in the room, right? So if someone comes into my studio and they have like a severe eye difference, for example, um, or a scar that's very noticeable on their face. When I first started, I would be like, oh, God, I don't want to mention that because I don't want to offend them. But like they know it's not like you're not going to it's not like they don't realize they have a scar on their face. They don't it's not like they don't realize one eye isn't really lined up with the other. And so what I've what I do uh, is I make sure that I just say, hey, um, I noticed you have a little bit of an eye difference. And you say it nicely. Obviously, it's the way you do it. Um, that, that makes a difference, but how would, you know, let's, let's do our best to, to correct that. And I want you to be happy, or I noticed you have a scar. Would you like me to remove it? And actually I find that my clients are glad that, you know, I'm, I'm just being frank and honest with them and that, and that, that and then you're providing solutions too, instead of it just being like, okay, well, I'm just going to ignore something and, and hope that they don't care. So I don't know if that answers the question. Yes, but well, it does. And you know what? I Again, I, I, I think you just put a really um, deep input how this whole thing works. And again, I 100% I agree with everything what you have said. And, and you know, like, that's, I think, what is also amazing about headshot photography is that every client is different. Right. And we learn from each session something new, which is fascinating. That's, that's why I really fall in love with, with headshot photography. Yeah. Um, and just creating that bond and that connection and then, you know, being honest. And, and as you said, and this is also what is extremely important about looking at our work first, you know, what we can do on our end to make sure that the process look flawless and then we can kind of jump into, you know, the next steps. And also what, I, what I've learned over the years that, as you said, people are really self-aware about themselves. And sometimes, you know, they don't, they have those kind of hidden things, which, you know, they don't want to talk about it, or they kind of afraid of, you know, that the face looks different way. But as Peter Hurley said many times, you know, most people don't even notice those things. This is just, right. that's their thing that they kind of aware of it. They, 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 they kind of don't want to expose this. I don't know more. And um, this is in our hands to to make them kind of comfortable and and then kind of share with them how the process um, look like. So that's yeah, that's 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 amazing input. And yeah, as everything what you have said, like hundred percent, kind of on the same page. So let's kind of switch the gears a little bit. And even though I don't want to talk about it much, uh, but let's jump into equipment because this is something that most people request. Um, they don't want, they want to hear about it. There's a lot of, um, uh, how you call it, gear. Gear Who like, you know, that's that's the only thing they want to listen to. Yeah. So let's jump into to your gear. How this, let's start maybe, you know, like, did you have any kind of um, process into getting the, the equipment you like to work with or you just kind of started from the right foot and then you just kind of have this like perfect setup and you start kind of shooting how to how this whole thing look like on your end right right well i'm i'm a big gearhead i love the gear okay. so i don't mind talking about it um but i also will put it right into perspective right from from day one the gear really matters very little <laughs> as we know um but it does matter but i'll tell you yes. that for, for me i built my my headshot business on a Canon 5D Mark III um, and some Alien Bees lights. So okay. did, I, I, I had a, 
the camera was like, I don't know, I bought it used when it was like already like six years old. And that's kind of how I built my business. And I used that up until um, less than a year ago. That was what I was using, um, a Canon um, a 5D Mark III with mm-hmm. a 7200 2.8. And that was basically all I used. Uh, and a 50 millimeter for some portraits, um, like wider crop portraits. Mm-hmm. And alien bees uh, in strip boxes. So that, I think that if you wanted, if you want to become better, as a photographer, because all of us photographers, I mean, on some level or another, we all get a little gear obsessed and we love gear. Uh, who doesn't love like a new, yeah. a new toy to play with, right? <laughs> but um, my suggestion for people who are, who are getting into it is use what you have at first and, and, and don't spend money if you have no clients, right? The, the idea is, is if you have some stuff, use it at first. So I built my business on that. But then when, when it started growing, then the first thing that I upgraded was my lighting system. Um, and so for, I would say 90, probably 90% of, well, for 100% of my head and shoulders headshots, I use um, a Westcott Flex Kit, which is, is basically mm-hmm. the same thing that Peter Hurley uses as well. Yeah. And um, I have the older kit, which has, it's, it's a series, it's two one by three panels and two one by two panels. And I use generally either a, a triangle or a C shape or some kind of modified shape like that for headshots. And then I use it for portrait work too. Um, and um, I upgraded my camera, uh, a, a, like I said, about a, l- less than a year ago, but now I'm shooting on a, on a Canon R5. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm using still my older lenses too. So I haven't upgraded. I haven't gotten any, any newer lenses yet. And I rant about a lot of this stuff in my YouTube videos. Like I love, I love talking about gear. Uh, so I rant a little bit about, about the gear. So there's some stuff where I do that as well. Uh, and, but the, the camera is like, the, the, the thing is with the eye tracking autofocus, it's really made a big difference in how I, in how I shoot because mm-hmm. you don't need to be worrying about focusing really almost not at all because it's that good. So it's definitely made the great gear will make a big difference. And I think that when I talk to people about gear, the thing I also say is, is don't buy garbage because one of the big mistakes I made early on is like, I I would buy these like really crappy stands, for instance. The worst thing you can do is buy those inexpensive stands because you use them a few times and then they don't work and they break and they fall apart. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're, if you're getting into this and you're, and you're, or if you're invested in it, then I think you're better off, you're better off to buy something good. It doesn't mean you have to spend the most money on like the highest end equipment, but you definitely want to get stuff that's, that's going to last. Um, and I think the biggest um, investment is besides getting lights that you can actually use properly is just to get, get a good lens. So whatever you're using, I mean, I have, I have tons of, I, I also shoot with Fuji by the way. Um, okay. Sometimes I use it in my studio. I have a Fuji X-T4 and a couple of lenses with that. And I love that as well. Um, but for most of my, most of my studio work, I'm using the Canon gear. Um, and Fuji, I like to take with me and, and use it for like street photography and portraits outside and like family photos and stuff like that. Um, I, what else do I use here? I have some backdrops um, from artery backdrops, which I really mm-hmm. love. And, um, outside of that, I, I shoot tethered to capture one, um, how I import the images. And and then after I don't really edit much in capture one though, I edit Mm -hmm. in affinity photo 
And that's where I do the bulk of, if I'm doing portraits, especially with color grading, I'll edit them in infinity photo. Um, but my goal is with headshots is I want it to be, I want it to be almost perfect right in the camera. Right. So, mm -hmm. so then when I, when I take it out of there, it's, it's hopefully it's going to be very little in the editing room. And it's definitely when it comes to headshots, I'm not going to change any coloring. Um, it's just going to be mm -hmm. one portraits that I like to color grade. So do you retouch your photos yourself or you send them out for retouching? I do both. Um, okay. It depends on the project and it depends on how much it's involved. And it depends on the kind of, of photo I'm taking too, because um, so I, I know everyone defines a headshot a little bit differently, but, but for me, I define a headshot as a head and shoulders photo. Mm -hmm. um, so my head and shoulders headshots are my, my goal for them is, is always going to be like very flattering, natural lighting. It's going to be kind of realistic lighting. I don't want it to look, um, color graded, but then I'll do portrait work, which is anything that's a looser crop. So it could be a, a you know, half, three quarter full, um, or any kind of different kind of angles and things like that. And then usually with those, I'll color grade them. And I do all the color grading. I either do myself, um, or I use LUTs or, um, like, um, from, well, my, my portrait mentor, who's also part of the headshot crew is Ivan Weiss. And so I use his LUTs sometimes. And uh, then I also use a, a program called Dehancer, which does like film simulations. Um, so sometimes I'll use that. It kind of depends on just where my, where the photo is and what I'm trying to do creatively. Perfect. I'm going to just share your website. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. So those are your fantastic headshots. Thank you. Let's go to your portrait work. Yes. Perfect. So, um, I don't think you can click on those portraits, which is no. Can you? You can't also click on the headshots, right? Nope. And, and you know what? As Natsi, now I see something I need to fix on my website. That's good, though. <laughs> yes, I, I you know what? I really like the simplicity of your website, right? Because it gets you right in, and then you have amazing examples of headshots. Um, so let's talk about it. Let's talk a little bit about business. Um, right. So, how was your approach to? business like um what would advice you would give to photographers who try and get into headshot photography how they can start their business of course they need probably you know some at least decent portfolio that's i think is the starting point right. but what would be the next steps how they can approach businesses how they can approach um i don't know potential clients what would be your advice on that Right, right. So I, I think that um, the oh, actually, you know what? Before I forget, if you go to my Instagram page, you can you could probably scroll through that. That might be better for if you want to see some photos up close. Um, yes. But when it comes to when it comes to business, I think that the first thing that I had to the first hurdle that I had to go, get over uh, was believing that I could do it. And I know that might sound like a little silly, but 
that was the first, the first major hurdle I had is that I didn't think I could do it. And I remember for a long time feeling bad and looking at like other photographers who were successful and I would look at their work and I'd look at, and I'd be like, wow, I just wish I could do that. And, and it was really, it was a big struggle for a time. Um, but then once I, once I just decided a, that I know I can do it and B that I'm going to do it, it made a huge difference. So that's the first step. You got to You got to believe you can do it. Now, as far as practical steps, well, um, I, I think the first thing you want to do, like you said, is get a bunch of people in front of your camera. So if you don't know anything, if you're not sure, just get some friends, you know, conscript your friends and family and make them be your test subjects. That's exactly what I did. So I have tons of horrible photos that of my family members and friends that, that, um, you know, was my testing ground and my learning ground. Uh, the other, th so that was where I started. And, and then the, the second thing I recommend is you want to get a mentor. Um, mm -hmm. I know for me, mentorship has been key to how fast I've been able to grow my business because it's not just a matter of, so I have multiple mentors. I have multiple photography mentors, and mm -hmm. I also have multiple business mentors because it's not just about becoming great at photography. Like the, that's, that's wonderful. Um, and you have to do that. But the problem is, is that there's tons and tons and tons of great photographers who have horrible businesses, right? So just because, and, and then I know many photographers who maybe are not the best, they're probably, you know, they're competent, they're good. Some of them are okay, but they're doing a fabulous business. So I think that um, the business skills are a totally separate thing that you have to deal with. And it's mm -hmm. tough for us because we're creatives. Um, and I know that like the creative part is usually, you know, where we want to put most of our energy. So what I did after I started doing that was then I, um, started to, um, not even advertise, but I kind of just put it out there in my own network. So some of my earliest clients were people I knew from the music industry. And I, so I also, um, I teach part-time at a university. Um, and so I just started posting some photos I would take, whether it would be of students or, or, or a friend on Facebook. And then all of a sudden, some of my colleagues at the university reached out to me and said, Hey, I need a headshot. Can you do that for me? And that's kind of where I started to grow it organically. And so what I would recommend, because if you're, if you want to be a headshot photographer, um, I think most people who are getting into this are already probably coming from a different industry, right? Or I know a lot of people are. So mm -hmm. I, I just mentored someone who is in the banking industry and I told him, well, everyone you work with needs a great headshot. So pick somebody take some photos of them for free and, and make sure they're good and make sure they look good and make sure that the person has a look that's going to help you to get work. And then put those out there to your other friends and, and start with your own network. So uh, that was one thing I did, but I feel like it's, you got to take like a multi-pronged approach. So what I do to grow my business is I actually do Google ads, which um, at first I spent too much money on, but I kind of wanted to push my, my site high in the rankings. So I did Google ads uh, and, and every month I kind of lower the budget as the organic reach of my site works better. Um, reaching out within my own network, like I just said about, you know, like contacting people or even just posting stuff on your social media um, that people can see that you're doing it, right? Because you might be doing this on the side, but 
if you don't have an Instagram page or a Facebook page that shows people what you're doing, that they're not going to know. Uh, and then I actually do, I do, I believe very strongly in cold calling uh, and cold emailing. And okay. I mean, I hate doing it, <laughs> but I got to tell you that um, one of the things that, that really does work is, and, and then I thought to myself one day, I'm like about cold calling. I thought to myself, well, if it didn't work, people wouldn't do it. So if people are doing it, it must work. So one day I just made a little email and I made it specifically for lawyers. And I wrote like, you know, something about how important a professional headshot is and how you want to be seen in a certain light and you want to make sure this and that and the other thing. I was worded it very, very um, specifically to appeal to lawyers. And then I Googled every lawyer within like a 30 mile radius of my studio. And I just started cop cutting and pasting, cutting and pasting, cutting and pasting and sending it out to all these different law firms. And I would say um, every hundred emails you send, and it took me about an hour, I would say, maybe a little more than an hour to send about a hundred emails because you just cut, copy and paste it. I would get at least three or four inquiries and at least one client out of it. And mm -hmm. some of them turned out to be very great clients who, who paid, you know, came in and spent a lot of money. So I think stuff like that is important. Um, and then having make, making sure that your website is optimized too. Like a lot of people, it always fascinates me because if you want to be a headshot photographer, for instance, right? And so, as you said, coming from the wedding industry, if I'm Googling headshots and your name pops up and then I click on your website and I see a bunch of wedding photos, well, I'm probably going to click off and try another website, right? Because people are looking for what they're looking for. So one thing that I usually recommend uh, to, to photographers is make sure that your website reflects your branding. Now you can do all those other kinds of genres and, and there's, that's a whole nother discussion, right? I think mm -hmm. I personally think that um, most people are looking for a specialist at, over a generalist, but there are people in, in the photography industry who do work as a generalist, meaning they, they will take headshots, they will take portraits, they will do school photos, they will do weddings and this and that, maternity, boudoir, whatever, and they make that work. I don't, that's not the model I use. I don't think that's the best model, but mm -hmm. um, I think it does work for some people. But for me, I don't want people to go to my website and see anything but what I want to be paid to work and do. And so I want them to be able to access it very quickly. Um, a lot of my mentors and friends in the photography industry say, create the work you want to be paid for. And mm -hmm. so that's what I've done on my website. And that, that's actually how I grew my portrait part of my business is because mm -hmm. I just loved this, this particular style and I learned how to do it. And now I'm still learning and refining it. And now people contact me specifically and say, oh, I saw this image on your site. I would love to do that. So I think having a website that's optimized, having a website that has proper keywords and proper tagging, like all of this kind of technical mm -hmm. stuff, which I'm not into, is also important uh, for growing your business. And then um, know your worth. That's another big thing. Like for a long time, I mean, because a lot of the people you're going to start working with will be sort of uh, friends and friends of friends. And I think for us photographers and anyone who opens a small business at first, you kind of feel like you need to give everyone a deal of some kind. And so for a long time, I was like doing stuff like that. And then one day I just said to myself, well, I'm not going to do that anymore because I don't want to be known as the bargain basement photographer. That mm -hmm. was one reason why. 
And the other reason why is because I know I'm good at what I do and I deserve to be paid for it. And like, so if you have a friend who, or, or a co or a war, a, a, a relative, for instance, um, who works, you know, in, in a different industry and you want to use their services, like I personally am not going to go to them and say, give me a deal. I mean, I just, I respect them. Right. And I want them to, I kind of think of it the other way, knowing what it's like and how tough it is if you own a small business. So I feel like just pay them people with their worth. So I think know your worth, hone your skills, get those, you know, and, and just, just do things like one of the things, you know, that you have to do in today's world is, and, and I don't really necessarily love doing it half the time. Sometimes I enjoy it, but like, you gotta just be active in the social media world. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can say that LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, although Instagram kind of kind of sucks yeah, now. Dying a little bit, yeah. Yeah, a lot of bit, right? <laughs> but back even like a year ago, Instagram was one of the ways that I really grew my business. When, But now they don't even, like if you put a photo up, they barely even promote it. So Yeah. I don't know, actually, and it happened so drastically, right? Like literally yeah. overnight with Instagram. But yeah. as you said, like we have to be versatile, right? Like you cannot right. just focus on one place and then hoping that the client's gonna come to you. So, so that's something I think we all kind of learned the hard way. So, you know, from one hand, I think it's like I'm not happy what's happening with the Instagram, but also it's a lesson for us that we cannot really focus just on one place and hoping right. it's gonna stay forever, right? Exactly. Um, I also yeah, go for it. yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, and also I, I don't know what's your impression on that, but I really also deeply believe in word of mouth. This is one right. of the things which also kind of grow my business. If you provide good service and then clients is happy and then you know they can recommend you. And those are like whenever you're getting those kind of recommendation, I found those clients are like, you know, they're calling you or they contacting you, and it's a done deal. You don't have to do all right. this crazy stuff to get them on board they just they they got their recommendation and they want to work with you so so that's something but also that takes time i found right like you know building a business and I, this is another thing which should met which we should mention is building any type of business it takes time you cannot just expecting you you you, you buy the lights you have all this stuff you have kind of couple headshot sessions under your belt and then the client's going to be just banging on your door that's 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 not never going to happen right and another important point which you mentioned i want to also kind of emphasize this is that you know creative part and business it's completely two different different things and i've been struggling with this i remember for many many years because i was just mainly focusing on you know being creative producing good images and the business was kind of like putting on the side it was kind of like going on on its own and yeah. then when i really started learning and then and, and kind of implementing some of the, the those, those stuff which should be implemented that's when i saw like massive jump into revenue and just just growing your business in, in general right so yeah yeah definitely i mean i mean and, and um to go back to the word of mouth thing first so word of mm -hmm. mouth is, that is the best way to get clients because you're totally right like when you when someone talks you up to their friend and they don't know you at all they all now when they call you they feel like they know you they're invested yeah. in you so it's, it's not like a strain like someone who just calls your number 
who just saw a photographer and then you have to explain to them why you're great. You had someone who had a great experience telling their friend, oh, go to, you know, go to him. He's great. This is what blah, 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 blah. And so when they contact you, they already know it's going to be a great experience. So you don't have to sell them. They just, that's so, so yeah, word of mouth. That's, that's always the best. Um, and, but you're right. You have to make sure you're providing that experience when they're in there. Um, and I totally agree with you. The business business is one thing. Photography is another thing. And there, if you, I, I believe that if you can become successful at, at business, it's, it really is regardless of what you do specifically, because there's so many principles. I mean, it's might be different for each industry to some level, right? But when it comes to just good business practice, there's so many basic things that every industry has to do. And I, I, I feel the same way as you, like as someone who's naturally a creative and artistic, like we like doing those things. We hmm. don't like necessarily answering emails or following up with phone calls or, or doing all of these kinds of management things, but you have to. And I think that um, it's, it's also the simple things like, I know, you know, if, if you don't get back to people in a timely manner, when they email you, you're not going to get clients. If you don't follow up with people, so say someone inquires about your services and then you decide, well, I sent them a, a, a reply and that's the end of that. Like you're losing money, you're losing business. Yes. That way. Um, or if you don't pick up your phone and I know it's like, this is also a generational thing. I think in the cell phone age, a lot of us are at that point where like, you just don't necessarily like picking up your phone, but you have to, if you, and especially for me, like my business line is tied to my cell phone line. So if my phone mm -hmm. rings, I pick it up because that's a potential client. And I've, I've booked so many people over the phone uh, just because I've answered it. Whereas sometimes people will call if you don't pick up, they're just going to call the next number. So that's very important mm -hmm. to pick up the phone. Uh, and then the other thing is for, if, especially if you have a, if you have a good personality, I think personality is a big part of being a, 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 a you know, a great headshot photographer. A lot of it is personality because people want to feel comfortable with you. And it doesn't mean you have to be extroverted and be a certain kind of person or pretend to be somebody, but you just have to be someone who people want to be around. So whatever that means for your personality, but when they call you, if you chat with them, then they get a feel for you. And I know a lot of my clients have booked with me based on that too. It's just like, oh yeah, well you were, you know, I got a good vibe from you on the phone and you were friendly and, and I knew I'd be comfortable. Um, because that's the other thing with what we do, right? Like most people, they, they look at going, they would rather, I had a client the other day tell me, I would rather go to the dentist than come here and take a headshot. And I, and I just like, I, I get it. I know, I know, yeah. but people don't like it. Um, so if you can make yeah. comfortable, even in that process from the very beginning, that's going to make a, a big difference. And um, like on my website, I have embedded a, a little video and it's just me talking about my process and talking about what I do and this and that. And I've had so many clients tell me, I booked with you because I saw your video and I just knew that it would be fun and comfortable and it would be, and it would be something that I would feel comfortable about. I wouldn't feel nervous. So Absolutely. yeah, I think personality is huge and and also um the one thing what i want to also add to this um because we talk a little bit about you know the business practices and stuff but also i think that is extremely important when it comes to just the actual headshot session and and what i mean by that is like let's say you know if we don't have this kind of open personality and we're not trying to like we're not i would say we are friendly, but we're faking it a little bit. People kind of can sense that. 
Right. And that's going to reflect the, the session because I remember from my own experiences that, you know, and it's, there was nothing to do with my personality, but I have just shitty day. And, you know, there's a lot of things happening. The client came in and I was just like bubbling from, you know, this, this emotions and then all this negativity and right. just reflect the photo shoot. Right. And then, you know, the person is, is looking at you and you just like angry and then you just don't have this kind of personality to, so they can feel comfortable. It's going to affect the session and it's going to just, the person's not going to feel comfortable and we're going to kind of really see that um, right away. Definitely. So I think that's, that's something also people have to remember that getting into the studio or getting into the session. Also, you have to leave all this, bad things behind you or try to separate them or try to kind of like, I'm not saying to forget about them, but at least don't put that on the client. Because if, again, like, you know, we have those clients too, they coming in with the bad mood, right? And they try to push this whole thing on us. And you're just like, okay, I cannot really take this because if I'm going to go that path, this rabbit hole, this whole session is going to be a waste because we're going to be, we both going to be angry on something so I'm always trying to navigate it, these people to some kind of positive place where, you know, we can both have fun. Yeah. And if, if you look at it, if you look at it as a challenge, like if you get someone who comes in and they have, first of all, I find that if they seem like they have a bad attitude, it's 99% of the time they're nervous and they just don't mm-hmm. know how to act because they're just nervous and it has nothing to do with you necessarily as a photographer. Yes. They're just afraid to be photographed and, and um, you know, so that's going to be part of it. So if you look at it as a challenge, like, okay, when I, I'm going to, when I win this person over, they're going to be so happy. And if you look at it that way, it makes it fun. It makes it challenging. And then you can turn someone who maybe was just coming in because they had to, or they just didn't, or begrudgingly or whatever there. Cause you, and again, it's like goes to empathy too, right? Cause you don't know what they're, they might've just got a call on the phone driving to the shoot that their, you know, mom is sick or that, you know, there's, you know, something happened at work. So you, you don't know what baggage they're bringing in. Yes. Uh, so, so it's always good to don't take it personal because they're, if they're just coming in and they seem a little off, you know, they booked with you. So they're probably, it's not, not going to have to do with you personally. Um, but being empathetic like that and, and seeing it as a challenge. I have a funny story about that. So I had this one, I work with this company that sends me their, their new hires. And the guy who runs the company I took his headshot years ago before I really even had my business up and running. I was just kind of still doing it on the side, but he came in for a headshot. Uh, we did the headshot. He loved it. And he became like my, one of my biggest fans. And so now his company he, he built is, is really growing and he sends me all of his new hires. So I had like one after another and they'd come in and he talked me up to them, how great I am. And, and they all love the photos. And so then I get this one guy from his company who books, and so I send him in. And so he books online. I send him an email. Hey, I'm looking forward to working with you. And, you know, like the typical prep email. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he replies and he says something like, just so you know, I'm doing this photo shoot under protest. <laughs> I told the boss, I don't want my photo taken and I don't even want to come there. And it's like, I was like, oh, okay. Well, and so. Good start. <laughs> yeah, that's like that was that was how the relationship got started. And so I replied with my typical stuff. Don't worry, you'll love the photo, blah, blah, blah. And then he sends a reply in all caps. Again, I am doing this under protest and you will not share any images without my approval. Like he got like really 
like so yeah so this is how so then i'm like so then i contacted the boss which was a bad idea in hindsight because then i said to the boss i'm like look this guy really doesn't want to come in for a photo um are you sure you want to make him do this? And then the guy got even more mad at me because why did you tell my boss that? I didn't want so it was like, it was like the deck was way stacked against <laughs> me before the guy even showed up. And so I spoke to some of my friends about it in, in one of my mentor, mentoring groups I'm in. And, and one of them gave me the, that piece of advice, which now I, I use every time, which is like, look at it as a challenge. Like, don't get upset. Don't be mad and, and get all angry and then confront the guy and, and don't be an, don't be an idiot when he comes to your studio. You got to do it. Just win him over. And so the guy comes, he walks in and and he's a he's kind of a like a middle aged like very Italian guy. And so so me being Italian and and both of us kind of similar like definitely had a similar upbringing. I um. I was like, all right, I'm just going to kind of win the guy over. So I was just my normal self and, hey, what's up? All right, let's just, I know you don't want to be here, but let's just give it a try. And so I put him behind the lights and, um, and then I say to him something like, um, I don't know, like, give me, give me, give me a look like you just whacked someone or something like I made some mafia joke and the guy just lost it. And he gave me like the, but he didn't like start cracking up because he was so ready to be angry about the whole thing. Like his boss strong on him, armed him into coming to this photo shoot. He did not want to be there. And so he was just going to, but he cracked this like little smile and, he, and it looked really cool. And I snapped the photo and I said, all right, come and look at it. And so I remember the guy coming out from the lights and walking around and I see his eyes following the screen as he comes closer. And now I know he wants to tell me like, oh my God, I love this photo <laughs> after all the grief I caused you, but his pride couldn't let him do that, you know? So he just kind of looked at it. He's like, and so I was That's like, okay. you love the photo. <laughs> and so then he kind of laughed and, and that was it. So I, I turned this guy who this could have been the worst client. And it turned out to be the guy loved the photo. His wife loved the photo. Um, and he left happy. And, and, and that was such a great experience for me because it, it reminded me like, you know, and I don't know why the guy didn't want his photo. Like he might've, he might've been made fun of all his life, you know, mm -hmm. about his face, about a certain feature. And um, so, so that it's, that's kind of how I approach it now. So when someone comes in and their energy is off, I just mm -hmm. try and, you know, just disarm them. And, but I don't think you should be someone else. Like one of the things that I noticed too with people is Early on, when you're when you're trying to become a, a headshot photographer, a lot of people will try and act like like a lot of people in in the headshot crew will try and act like Peter Hurley. Now mm -hmm. Peter is a one in a million guy. I mean, he's got that. Yeah, I, I don't think you can copy him. You have to have his personality, right? Yep. He's just he's one in a million. And so early on, I would try and like use his jokes and be like Peter. And I realized quickly this isn't working. And I'm just people are just looking at me sort of confused because it's just the jokes don't land right or whatever because it's not me. Then I just decided I'm just going to be myself. And when I did that, I noticed there was a big change. So I think if you're, if you're naturally sort of more quiet and sort of more reserved, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I know a lot of photographers who will have that personality and they, they create awesome work and they do, and they have a great business, but they embrace who they are and they're comfortable with themselves. And, and in their own way, they make the person disarmed behind the lens, you know? Yeah, that's that's super important, and I think it like it's great you sharing this because you know I I'll tell you my story with Peter Hurley jokes. Um, actually, one of my clients just walk off the shoot, and I know oh, that 
the joke <laughs> didn't land well. And then, and again, like, you know, like you have to have specific personality, right? So people right. know who you are and, and they know this is a specific joke. But if you put this joke in someone else's mouth, it doesn't look good sometimes, right? And that's exactly. what I've learned. Um, and yeah. a lot of headshot photographers forget about it. Um, and I, I think this is also what I 100% agree with you. And this is, this is extremely important that a lot of those, I would say, really tense situations, we can kind of like make them, well, we can loose them up and then we can just kind of switch them into our, our own advantage. But again, mm -hmm. it comes from us, right? It comes from the kind of anger or, you know, oh, I'm going to show him he doesn't want to be here, but I'm going to just do it anyways. But if you have completely like the approach you had that, okay, I'm going to have as a, I'm going to take this as a challenge. I'm going to try, try to make this guy, kind of guy put in a different mindset and hopefully we'll get something out of this. And I, I've been in those situations Many, many times. I think every hatchet photographer goes through that, right? We have those clients who just, they don't want to be here, right? They don't yeah. want to shoot. They don't want to be at the front of the camera. They they have some things which, you know, they kind of, well, they don't want to share with the world. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, as soon as you can kind of, con maybe not convince them, but you can kind of prove them they have something to offer. They're good looking. And then you can kind of show them the photo, which really can impress them just completely changed the story. I'll tell you like a little one story, which I had a couple of years ago. Um, it was also kind of taught me those kind of, it was a little bit of similar situation. So I have a real, real estate agent mm -hmm. and she came into the shoot and, you know, everything went okay. I thought that, you know, the, the session went great. We have great images. And then she sent me like really nasty email the next day that she hates the photos. And then I'm like, oh my God, like what, what, what happened? Like, you know, she was completely on the different um, side yesterday. And then I said to her, look, you know what? Why don't we do this way? Um, let's start with, if you could show those images to your family, to your friends, and if there will be anybody there who, who don't like those pictures, I'll give you either a refund or, I'll, I'll, or, or we kind of do another shoot. And two days later, she emailed me the nicest email ever. She said, I love the photos, you know, and then I got on there on the phone with her. And all of a sudden, you know, she's telling me about the divorce she's going through. And then, you know, that she, right. there's all sorts of issues associated. Mm -hmm. And then she took this very personally. So she saw herself as a kind of person who was losing in life. And then, you know, now this whole thing just kind of hit her like a ton of brick and straight in the face. And it, she, she needed kind of reassurance from the family. You know, she's okay. She's looking good. She still have a lot of stuff to, to achieve in her life. But that's also a lot of people bring a lot of personal issues to the shoots, right? Which we have to kind of put it on the side. Yeah, definitely. And not only that, but um, a lot of people you work with, if you're a photo headshot photographer, are like that that particular lady they're in a transition in their life like a lot yeah. of times people will come to you because they just lost their job or they just got laid off or they're getting a divorce or stuff like that so they're not necessarily um i mean a lot of them will come to you because they they want to get a new job right or they or something good happened they got promoted but there is a lot of them who are at that vulnerable point and so that, yeah, you definitely, and I think that the, the way you handle that is, is exactly, is exactly right. Because, you know, I know some photographers who 
would not want to ever offer a reshoot and, and they just want to kind of get defensive about it and stuff like that. But the other thing you want to remember is that these, each client represents either a positive or a negative to your mm -hmm. reputation in the community. And everybody knows that if someone has a bad experience, they will tell 10 people. If they have a good experience, they might tell five, right? Because just the human nature, that's why cable news works, right? Because people like negativity, right? That's why that's, that's like the entirety of the internet works. Like, so the negative people love sharing negative stuff more than positive stuff for whatever reason. So, you know, turning that, turning that client into someone who's, who's positive is really important. And, and at the end of the day, especially if you're growing a new business. So for, for someone whose business is still new and say you have a client like that, if you just not offering a reshoot, it's just, you're building a bad reputation or, or, or not, not being compassionate. And I'm not saying like you should, you should roll over for people either. Like I, I had a client early on who um, was uh, like, clearly this guy just wanted to take advantage of me and, and was just complaining just to get a discount. So sometimes that'll happen too. I don't think we should just, you know, do that, but, but obviously, you know, if it's someone who's just a real, there's a real reason why you just want to think long-term. A lot of people just think about what's happening right now, but when you grow a business, you got to think long-term. And like you said before, right? Like you want, um, you, you can't expect the business to overnight be like that. Like overnight success stories, there's usually like 10, 15 years of, of work involved before that person becomes what you think is an overnight success. Yeah. Um, that's all important. It's all, it's all part of the, part of the, the process. But don't you think also this is something which kind of hit me right now that headshot photography in general teaches us as a photographer to be more patient and have like a little bit different approach to people because we have to deal with them like face to face. Because, you know, like sometimes you have those like big executives or CEOs, whatever, they just look at the numbers, right? And they don't really kind of have that how my decisions affect people. But in our kind of profession, we we have to deal differently because right. you know like we we dealing with like like actual with with people and and also we dealing with them on a very personal level so i had this like a quick story which happened to me several years ago on one of my workshops i have a, a gentleman who was one of the you know big ceos at one of the big tech companies and he says to me that um, well, the job was fantastic, you know, paid him a lot of money and then he had like, you know, the benefits and all the financial uh, benefits were just was amazing. But he says, like, I was just cutthroat, you know, kind of person who, you know, has to just, you know, meet the numbers, meet the challenges. And there's like a lot of lot of tension between people. And he was like, I was mentally wrecked. So he went to the doctor and the doctor's like, look, you have two options. You're going to either kind of slow down or just kind of take a break, or you're going to just die from either heart attack or stroke. Mm -hmm. And he says he bought the camera and he started taking photos of, you know, family. And that he says that was his kind of uh, relief of this tension. And then he's like, I wouldn't push this more. And he started shooting headshots because he's like, that was the first time where I could connect with people on a personal level. And wow. that's what kind of gave me belief in, 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 in people again, that I can connect with them. I can, you know, work with them. I can deal with them and I have to be patient with them. 
So that was just for me, like, I'm like, wow, that's just amazing story to showing you, like, not only how amazing our, you know, the, the, the work we do, but also how much impacted us as a, as a people. Right. So that's kind of fascinating. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, 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 and think about it this way too. Like many of the people who come to your studio for a headshot, that's the very first photo they're going to see of themselves that they actually like. Like when you think of it that way, it's like, wow, there's, you know, I've had people who, they look at the screen and, and they start crying and it's not because for the bad reasons, you know, it's, it's because they're like, I've had, I've had clients more than once where they just kind of tear up. And then I start to tear up because they say to me, I've, I've always felt ugly. And, and this is the first time I, I feel like that, like you've captured who I really am and who I want the world to see. So when you experience things like that, yeah, it really puts it into perspective. You know, you're dealing with, with real people and, you know, not two of them are alike. That's the other, that's the other challenge for us, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's challenging, but it's also the fun of it is that every single face that comes into your studio is completely unique. It's totally different yeah. than the one that you photographed yesterday. And it gives, it keeps it fun and interesting and it makes it challenging. And, and it also shows you how, um, this really is like a, like you said, like it's, it's all about people and then, yeah. and, you know, really understanding like, well, what we do is, is it's all based around individuals and people and, and helping those people to be the best that help them to feel and look their best. That's, Absolutely. that's what I like. To do. And I, I'll go with one step further with this to make this even more emotional for people who's <laughs> going to be watching this. Uh, I actually have a client who passed away and I, I shot his headshot and he died from cancer mm -hmm. and, the same thing. His wife said, you know, this is the most pressure, you know, memories for me, you know, when, when she lost him. And, uh, and that's also kind of hit me so hard because, you know, like we don't even realize, you know, we creating not only, you know, headshots, but we're also creating memories. And someday those pictures might have so much value for some people we can't even imagine. So. Right. Yeah. Peter Hurley talks about that quite a bit. Um, and okay. He, he mentioned, actually, he was talking about this um, a couple of weeks back where mm -hmm. he said that when, when, you know, someone's house is burning down, they grab the photos. That's what they go mm -hmm. and grab. And, it, and it's like, wow. Yeah, it really, it really shows and it, it reminds you how important it is. Like that's, that is something that, that people will treasure forever. And um, I feel like what we do is it's, it's very important work and especially, um, you know, if you're doing it, if you're doing it well and you're doing it with passion, like that's at the end of the day, I'm, I don't want to do anything that I'm not passionate about. Mm -hmm. And I did not get into this, um, for money right now, making money obviously is good and important. And we want to be able to do that, but you know, I don't feel like I'm working when someone comes into my studio and I'm taking their photos. It never feels like work. It, it's always something that I look forward to and I, it's fun. I enjoy it. And, and, you know, you really are creating these, these, these memories for people. It's, it's a pretty awesome thing. I mean, and, and the, then I, I, I constantly am, you know, telling my wife, I can't believe people give me money to take a picture of them. It's awesome. <laughs> it's like yeah. such a thing, you know? And so, but yeah, it's it's true. What we do is very important, and and it's it's a skill. It's a it's a it's a difficult skill to learn. But um, you know, someone like me, I I I didn't have it at all, and so 
it's like anything. If you put, if you really invest in, into learning and, and, and you gotta be humble too. Like, yes, those people who come in who are difficult, you learn the most from them too. So at the end of the day, nobody likes dealing with difficult people, but you're going to learn a lot more than the person who came in, you took five photos of them. And they were like, I love these Bye. You're not going to learn nearly as much from that. So that's part of it too. Yeah, but you know what? Those difficult people, they, I don't think they they realize what, what we even do sometimes, right? Sometimes, as you said, they might be forced to do that. Right. Sometimes they have some, as you said, like, you know, some issues from from childhood or some trauma from, I don't know, when they were growing up. There's a million reasons why they want to have, why, did, why they don't want to have their photo taken, right? But I think that's why they 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 coming because they know we are professional and then we know how to approach this whole thing and how to capture them the best way possible. Right. So I think sometimes you know there's a lot of hidden stuff I found, you know, and they maybe deep inside they want to have an image where they're going to be you know look really really good, but I think the process to get there that's what scares them. As you said, you know, if you have a like you know toothache and then you're going to the dentist always you're scared right but when they fix it you go through the process it's a little bit painful the next day you're good okay like okay now i'm fine right so i think the same with the headshots is is they scared of the process how they can get there right and then you know just kind of like exposing themselves fully to somebody else who they sometimes don't know that's the biggest challenge yeah yeah and then and but you also get a lot of people who are just like totally cool from day from the first shot and it's fun and it's easy. So I don't want it to make it out yeah. like, like it's, it's for me, the, the better. And I think the better we become as photographers, the more you figure out your own craft and process, there's going to be less and less people who it'll be less challenging because yes. like, I, like we kind of started with, right. You can, you can see what, well, when people come in my studio, I'm all, I'm just seeing right away. Okay. I think this, even before the behind the lights, well, I definitely want to photograph them from this side or, or from that side, or I can see maybe their nose goes a little bit askew one way. So maybe I'll shoot it from the other way. We'll make it look straighter, stuff like that. So um, the better you become at it, the more fun it becomes too, because then it's yeah. like, you know, it's a, it makes it, it makes it easier in that regard. So you got to study and do all of that. And then the more you know about how to do it, the easier it becomes in a lot of ways too. Absolutely. Okay, so we're running a little bit out of time. We went over an hour, but I have one more question for you. Sure, sure. So what would be one advice to someone who is starting off? Um, you know, they really want to get into the headshot photography and you as an experienced photographer, what would you what would you what kind of advice you would give to that person? Um, okay, so number one, as I said before, I really do believe that the quickest way to advance your skills is with mentorship. Mm -hmm. So I know in my life, it's, I would have, I, I think I would have gotten here, but where I am now, but maybe it would have taken, you know, 10 years instead of two years or whatever, if I just did it in a vacuum. So one of the beauties of the internet for all of the non-beautiful parts about our online world is that you can connect with people all over the world. You can, you can be coached by people all over the world. And, and it's, it's very easy in some ways to find a great mentor. I apologize. Somebody's knocking on my door. Okay. Um, hang in there for a second. Sure. 
Oh, okay. Sorry. That's, that's I, okay. I, it's just the Amazon guy just kept knocking. Oh, so. I thought it was a client, so I no. hope. <laughs> no, I I made sure I not unless they're just not unless they're coming at the wrong time, right? Okay. Um, so I I I really believe in mentorship. I believe that uh, like being being Peter's ment uh, being mentored by Peter has has really mm -hmm. been made a profound difference in my life. And and then outside of that, uh, and then also by the way, one of my mentors is Felix Coons. Like I'm I'm an active member of, uh, in Felix's group. And I've studied all his lighting tutorials. And so I, I use a lot of that as well. So wherever you go, find the knowledge and acquire it. And, and, and don't, just, don't just think you can do it just because you own a camera. And right, this is what happens a lot of times people, especially, and I know that's why we more experienced photographers, usually we don't like talking so much about gear as much as, as, mm -hmm. as novices, because you realize like, well, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything. The gear doesn't matter. It matters. You, you need to have the skills. So mm -hmm. don't think that, well, I, I bought, um, you know, $10,000 worth of camera gear. My photos are going to be great. Uh, mm -hmm. it, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. I wish it did, but it doesn't. It's, it's, all about, it's all about your skills. So I say be proactive about building your skills. And and then you just gotta you just gotta do it. You get to one you get to a point where it's just like well you gotta just put yourself out there. You have to just drag people in front of your camera. You have to um, post photos. I'm a big believer in posting photos online for critique. If you're in a community of photographers that are not just like you know trolling to to to, to tear you down, but if you're in a, in a in a supportive community of photographers and they are out there where you want to grow your skills and you post photos for critique, people will help you. Um, I wouldn't be where I am at all, if not for many, many uh, uh, photographers who, who helped me and mentored me, um, whether online or in person or both. And, and the, many of them have become my good friends now. So I think you just gotta, you just gotta make it happen. Um, and it's more important, I think, connecting in, in those groups, invest in that before you start investing in a bunch of camera gear. Mm -hmm. And I want to add one more thing to this because this is fascinating what you just have said. But also, we're living in the in the times where people are more open to help you, right? Because I remember when I started my photography journey, nobody would share anything. Like right. it, it was just literally impossible to get any information out of any photographer because they would right. just keep this stuff for themselves. Now we're on the completely opposite kind of side where people you know sharing they helping they mentoring they they give you advice they will like look into your photos they they they, they will tell you how you can improve them so to all those also photographers you're living in the amazing times because you have all those resources where people right. are really open to give you a hand and to take you through step by step for some of those things but you know you still have to be open to ask for help, right? Nobody's going to be walking and then running after you. You need to somehow kind of ask for the help, but the communities, communities are there. There's a lot of support. And I think also for whatever reason, I found headshot photography, um, like the, the, the industry and the community is really helpful. Like people really helping each other, which I never seen in wedding industry. That was completely other on the other side, but headshots for whatever reason, um, and I don't know who who started that 
process, but uh, I, I think we, we are kind of completely different community than any other ones. So that's something which we should kind of keep it going and cherish and making sure we, we, we helping each other. Right. And you got to be teachable too, right? So yeah. you can, you can ask for, I, I've had people, I've seen people who have been in coaching groups or, or whatever. And, and they're like, they can't take any criticism though. So, all mm -hmm. right. Well, if, if you, if you don't like one thing that I think has always, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword for me personally, because I struggle with like always wanting to get better, but then sometimes not, if you do that, you might never feel like you're good at it. I think it's better to be like that than to be like, oh, I'm the best when your work sucks, because then there's really no hope for you. You're never going to get any better. So you have to be teachable. Like every time I have a client, uh, it's always something or, or when I create a photo, I'm, I'm creating art. You know, I want to be an artist. And that's what that's what I really feel. Even with headshots, if you're doing it well, it's art. It's art. But I'm never resting on it and saying, all right, I'm happy. I'm always trying to grow and learn. So that's another part of it too. You have to really totally. be able to accept the critique and, and you're totally right. Like nowadays there are so many people who are, who are willing to help you. Um, and, and, um, like a lot of in the, in the past, a lot of, a lot of people, I think there's still some photographers out there who are like very closed. They don't want you to know their secret sauce. And, but you yeah. know, Usually the 80 plus, right? But yeah, generation, they, they the generation thing, yeah. Well, my quick story before we close, um, my music mentor, one of my heroes, uh, is, is the great jazz bassist Ray Brown. And so when you learn jazz, what you do is you basically copy the people who you love. Like you literally, a big part of becoming a jazz musician is transcribing which means I sat down with countless recordings of Ray Brown playing bass and learned note for note his bass lines and solos to the point where I could play them from memory and play them along with the record. Um, so it's copying to a degree that's like 100%. But mm -hmm. having done all of that, that definitely impacted my playing. And when you, when you, when you hear my bass playing, you will say, oh, he's clearly influenced by Ray Brown but I'm never going to sound like Ray. I'm never going to be Ray Brown. So I think that, you know, being open and sharing that, like I can tell you everything that I do as a photographer, your photos will never look like mine. Now, maybe they, there'll be similarities and maybe there'll be influences, but that's the beauty of the whole thing is that, you know, when you share, it only makes me better. It improves other people's work too. And there's enough to go around for everybody. I, I really believe that. Absolutely. hundred percent. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. We went way over the time. I'm I'm really sorry that I stretched it a little bit, but I think we had a good conversation. Yeah, I'm happy so to do I it. I will link all the information uh, to your stuff. Um, I'm sharing your stuff on my group too, because there's a lot Great. of interesting, um, you know, videos and then some kind of feedback. So fascinating. Please continue doing this because there's a lot of, lot of amazing knowledge and um yeah thank you again for for the time i i hope we will do it again at some point yeah um, definitely thank you thank you so much thanks rafael this was great it was so great meeting you i'm looking forward to seeing it absolutely thank you all right